שבוע טוב to everybody out there and I'd love to say happy spring day. In fact, today I was so excited and had such a spring, you know, in my step that I got dressed for spring only to walk out now and realize how pretty cold it is. But spring is certainly in the air. You can see all the blossoms around and um, that smells of Rosh Hashanah, of new beginnings. And indeed, this is going to be... Uh, My last show before Rosh Hashanah, we're going to miss quite a few because of the Yamim Toivim. But nevertheless, it is my pleasure to be sitting here and sharing some words of wisdom that come from our beautiful Holy Torah. We are learning the book of Genesis, looking into the mystical texts and the ideas behind the creation of the world. And as always, love to hear from you. We have a WhatsApp number. It's 061. 895-1019-1019-061-895-1019. And of course, our SMS number, which you should know already by heart, 34519. So please join in uh, into this virtual classroom as we are now going to be looking at chapter two, the verses 18 to probably, hopefully, 25, which means we'll be completing the second chapter of the book of Genesis, where we are going to be um, discussing primarily the creation of woman. Yay, out there for all the women, we are going to see how we, in fact, got created and what our purpose um, on this planet is all about. And uh, let's set the scene so that we can understand where we're at. We finished up that God created a garden in a place called Eden. It was to the east. We discussed last week that perhaps um, we're not exactly sure uh, practically where this garden is. In fact, it's probably a metaphorical place as opposed to a physical place. Um, for more details, go back to uh, last week's podcast and that Adam was brought into this Garden of Eden to work it and to guard it. And there we mentioned that it's not about actually, you know, hoeing and tilling the soil, even though some rabbis do hold by that, but the majority hold that his job was to work it and to guard it in terms of God's Law, God's commandments, God's Torah, to work the Torah, to keep the mitzvot of the Torah, the positive mitzvot, and to guard it, to make sure that he did not um, break any of the negative laws. But one of the main things that that happens now when Adam is put into the Garden of Eden is that the entire world, everything that was set as a stage for Adam's arrival, the 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 Uh, angels even realize how great Adam's intelligence was and um, they, they, they come around him and they, they come to serve him. And we are told as well that one of the first jobs given to Adam was that he had to name the, 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 the creatures because they came before him and um, Adam was able, because of his incredible intelligence, and when I'm talking intelligence, not that he just only had an IQ maybe of 180, but that he had spiritual intelligence. He was able, as we, we've said in the past, he was able to see from one, world, one side of the world to the other, meaning that he had incredible perception, incredible ability to look into um, the character of each and everything in this world and understand its makeup. So, 
what happened was that the animals came before him, and because he understood the essential nature of every creature, he was able to give each one of them and an appropriate name. Now, this is very interesting because this is something powerful about the words of Torah um, and the Hebrew language per se and why we as Jews place so much emphasis um, and give a, 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 certain, uh, a certain level of, of, of respect to the Hebrew language and to how we pray in Hebrew and what our Hebrew names are. Because from a mystical point of view, the entire world was created through speech. We've said that quite a few times in our studies, that God created this world through ten utterances, meaning that he said the words, Vayomer Hashem, and God said. Um, there are ten such utterances, and by him saying, by him taking the letters of the, um, of the, of the alphabet and putting them together, he created the entities that we see today in this world and recognize. Now, if that concept is a little bit strange to you, then we can simplify it and understand it um, by understanding what we know today as the periodic table. We know that um, scientists in the last 100, 150 years or however many years it took, I do think it's probably in the last 150 years, they they um, – recognized that this world was made up of elements and they put them together on a periodic table. And these elements, these physical elements, we know when they combine um, in different ways, they will create different things. The most simple that we all know, we don't need a degree in, in chemistry, is, for example, water. We say that water is H2O, meaning that water is a composite of hydrogen and oxygen. It's H2O because there are two hydrogens and one oxygen. And if you become, you know, more involved in the world of chemistry and in understanding it, you'll know that it combines with sp3 hybridization and you will know the molecular st uh, sub uh, structure of water. We know that if we take one hydrogen and one oxygen, it will not create water, but will create another substance. Similarly, if we have three hydrogens and one oxygen, or we have two hydrogens and two oxygen, when hydrogen and oxygen come together, they will form different uh, things, different entities. Similarly, we draw the analogy that the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are the Building blocks are the elements through which the world was created. And when God took these 22 letters and combined them in different manners and in different sequences, different combinations, they gave rise to the entities and things that we see in this world. So, for example, if we take the word for a dog in Hebrew, that word is kelev. Kelev is not an arbitrary word as dog is. You know, maybe 500 years ago, somebody could have looked at a dog and called it a wog, called it a lala, and said that's what a four-legged, you know, tail-bearing, cute little puppy looks like. It's not an arbitrary name when we call a dog in Hebrew Kelev. Why? Because if you understand mysticism and you understand the combination and permutations of the Hebrew alphabet, then we will take the letters Chaf, Lamed, Bet, 
which are the three letters that make up the word Kelev, and know that the do- a dog is made up of these three letters and has a certain nature to it, the nature of a chaf, of a lamad, of a bet. And this is a topic in and of itself. Um, quite a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago, on Chai FM, I have an entire um, a series of 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 uh, discussions of shows that I had where I went through each and every single one of the Hebrew letters and what they meant and how they combine and you know how how it all comes about. But this is essentially what happened with Adam. God brought in front of him all the various creatures. And he, through his perceptual insight into the spiritual nature of each and every element, went and looked at a dog, cute little dog, wagging his tail, and he said, you know what you are? You're a kelev. I'm calling you a dog because you, I can see you're made up of a chaf lamed bet. He looked at a donkey and said, you are a chamor. You're made up of chet mem resh because that's how you are made up. And so the very first thing that Adam did was that he named all the animals in the Garden of Eden. Welcome back. And we are discussing Adam and the first job that he had in the Garden of Eden, and that was to name all the animals and give them their spiritual tag, so to speak. And just to end off this part of the discussion, that is why in Judaism we pay a lot of attention to our Hebrew names. Whilst we like to call ourselves whatever we like to um, out there in the world, when we are born, we we go through a naming ceremony, the boys at the bris, a girl immediately on the first time after she is born on the day that we can read the Torah. And we use these Hebrew names our entire lives um, for spiritual identity all the way till we pass on. And even when we pass on, our Hebrew names are engraved on our tombstones. And the reason why is because whatever names we are given – they, they come they come spiritually through a a, a level of prophecy to uh, to our parents, maybe subconsciously they might resonate with the name, but they they are given that ability to name our souls with whatever um, spiritual entity it, it it is formed, and we use those names our entire life to identify ourselves um, when somebody is sick, God forbid we know we have the custom to Add a name or change our name. Um, that comes from the Torah, from the time that you could see with Abraham and Sarah. They were childless. Their names were Avram and Sarai. And by God adding a hey into Avram and calling him Avraham and changing the yud into a hey for Sarai, she became Sarah. They changed their muzzle and were able to have a child. They changed their, their predestined destiny. And so Hebrew names and the Hebrew language and that which we call anything in the Hebrew language is not an arbitrary um, niceness of, of the language, but it actually is an identification of the spiritual makeup of that object. Quite fascinating. And Adam didn't 
uh, obviously did this purposefully. It wasn't uh, in random. And until this day, we know that every creature received the, the, the name that each creature received from Adam is in fact the name that we still stick to today. And this is what it says in the, the verses. Um, there's a preface that says, Vayomer Hashem Elokim, and God said, Lotov Yihiyot Adam Levado, it's not good for man to be alone. Eselo Ezer Konegdo, I'm going to make a helping hand for him. We're going to get back to that. That was like the preface of why he realized it, but here is the story in the verses, as I have told you. Vayitzer Hashem Elokim Min Ha'adama, Kochayat Hasadeh, God created out of the ground, all the beasts of the field, vet kol of Hashemayim, and every bird of the sky, vayave et el ha'adam, and he brought them to Adam to see, lirot ma'yikrelo, what he would call them, v'chol ashe yikrelo ha'adam, nefesh chaya hu shemo, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called a living soul, that was his name. And interestingly, it says God then said to Adam, what will be your name? And um, Adam said, my name will be Ad, um, Adam. And God said, I find Adam to be appropriate because you, in fact, were taken from the Adama." From the ground. So you could see, even in calling Adam Adam, Adam comes from the word Adama, which means ground. And as we learned previously, God created Adam from all the, 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 the dust of the, the, the world from all four corners. So it shows that part of us is physical. But what happens is the following. If we look in verse 20, we read the following. Adam gave names to each and every animal. And to every bird in the sky. And to every beast of the field. But for man, he didn't find a helper. A person that complimented him. So he saw all the creatures in the world created male and female. And when he finished this job of naming all the animals, he realized that he, in fact, was alone. And he said to God, why did you give each and every one a mate and you left me out without one? So God then granted his request and said, Lot of Adam hiyot levado. It is not good for man to be alone. E selo ezer kenegdo. I will make for him a helping mate. Um, and that is loosely translated. Um, but um, it essentially is, this is the point at which God says to Adam, I will make somebody as a mate for you. Now, much, a tremendous lot has been said about the way that God describes this mate, which turns out to be Eve. Um, he doesn't go and say it as a mate. He doesn't call her a wife. He doesn't call her a woman. He calls her an Azer Konegdo, a very, very interesting um, description in Torah. Because Azer comes from the word Azor, La Azor, to assist. Konegdo 
means either opposite him or against him. Neged is, 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 is to be against. So how is he defining a woman? Uh, Azer, a person who helps, a helpmate, an assistant who is against him. Now, how's that, guys? How do you feel about that? <laughs> so much is discussed um, amongst the rabbis about this woman that comes into Adam's life. How is she an Azer Konegdo, a helpmate against him or a helpmate opposite to him? So um, the rabbis go and teach that the rabbis go and teach that this is really the essence of marriage and a tremendous amount of lessons can be learnt about it. It says, firstly, that if a man is meritorious, if he is doing the right thing and he merits to get the right wife, she will be an azer. She will be a helpmate. She will assist him in his life's endeavors. However, if he's not meritorious and he does not deserve it, then she will be connecto. She will be against him. That is one of the ways the rabbis interpret this word, azer connecto, a helpmate against him. If you're deserving, she'll be an azer. She will assist. If you're not deserving, she'll be connecto. She'll be against you. That's one of the ways. The second way that the rabbis interpret this is that, in fact, your wife, here's the good news, guys, and ladies, listen up, um, is that you will be an Ezer Konegdo. You will help him by opposing him. So no, ladies, that does not mean that you go home tonight and be ostreperous and obnoxious and um, be against him. But the way that marriage works is that opposites will attract, that the way that you are helped, the way that you grow, the way that you explore the world is that you will get married to somebody who will be that Aza Connector, will be that helpmate, but the way that they will help is that they will be opposite you, opposed to you. They will, they will be giving resistance to you. And this probably is... I think one of the best descriptions of marriage, because where else in this world will one be able or is able to form a relationship where it is probably the most difficult task in the world to live with another person? You know, we always tend to look at the grass being greener on the other side. And particularly now with social media, there's all these Facebook and Instagram pictures and Snapchat that go around and you go, wow, look at them. They're in love. Wow, look how nice he treats her. Wow, look at that. When in truth and in reality, if people are really honest with themselves, marriage is extremely hard. Marriage is a cauldron where opposites come together. And it takes a tremendous amount of skill, a tremendous amount of patience, tremendous amount of of perseverance and really sweat and tears to make a relationship a good one and a prosperous one because undoubtedly whoever you marry, they will and so you in return will push the buttons that could, could turn you into a very ugly person. And it's there because it's embedded in creation on day one that 
the person you marry is the Azer Konegdo, is the helpmate that opposes you, that, that makes life difficult for you. Because in that difficulty, you grow. Um, so whilst we do try very, very hard to get married to a person who has the same likes, the same wants, the same dreams, the same aspirations, and it's very important that we do that because – even if we have all of those things in place, there still will be spaces, times, places where you will have your buttons pushed and you will be challenged um, by that relationship. And so God says it's not good for man to be alone, meaning that if I leave man alone, he will not have this opportunity for growth. He will not have this opportunity to explore and 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 understand how much bigger he is. So I am going to create an equal and opposite force on the other, in the other way in order um, for man to have that ability to grow. Now, there are many advantages um, in terms of marriage, albeit that, you know, today a lot is, uh, is being said on this topic and uh, marriage does not have the sanctity and the respect that one should really give this institution because it is the cauldron on which civilization exists. Um, nevertheless, it says there are many advantages for a man and woman to, to, to get together. Um, and there are many, many stories that are told in the, in the Torah about 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 marriage. There's an interesting one from a rabbi called Rabbi Rabbi Chia. He interestingly had a wife that was very independent and wouldn't listen to him, and she was so shrewish that another man would certainly have not been able to tolerate her and would have divorced a long time ago. But Rabbi Chia, he was an incredible guy. He was very pious. He wasn't concerned with trivial worldly things. And he displayed always the deepest affection for her. And uh, even it says in the Talmud that his son, Rabbi Chia's son, said to his father, how can you love my mother so much? She constantly opposes you. And uh, Rabbi Chia replied, it is enough that she keeps me from sin. And for this, I'm willing to tolerate all her opposition. So that, in fact, is a very insightful, interesting, probably con contra contrary statement um, that 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 the the, the Torah says because uh, this is not the way that we look at marriage today. The general consensus is, you know, what can I get out of it? You know, does he make or she make me feel happy? Um, and if I don't get what I need, then I'm out of there. In a, in, in a shot, whereas the Torah is saying, yes, it is difficult. We recognize, uh, recognizing it's, it's built within the fabric of society. And um, the challenge of marriage is to actually work with that opposition and grow into bigger, better uh, people. So that is just a small insight into the description of woman that she should be the Ezer Konegdor. Now we're going to look into verse 21 and 22, and we are going to explore her creation per se. Again, if you have any questions or any comments, 34519 is the SMS line 061 
0891-895-1019 being the WhatsApp. Join the conversation. Right, verse 21 reads the following. Adam is now going to get his helpmate. Vayapel Hashem Elohim Tardema Al-Ha'adam. God casts a deep trance over man. Vayishan, and he sleeps. If you want to ever answer the question, when was the first anesthetic performed in the Torah? Here it is. Vayikach Achat Mitzalotav. He took one of his ribs, Vayiskor Basar Tachtena, and he closed the flesh in its place. Vayiven Hashem Elokim Etatzela, God then built the rib that he took, Ashelakach Min Ha'adam, that he took from man, Vayisha, and he created into a woman, Vayiveha El Ha'adam, and he brought her to Adam. And, um, this is also full of mysticism and, and much teaching, but one of the ideas that I want to bring out to you is that everything uh, that is created is influenced by the source from which it was created. Now, if we look at a uh, woman, you will see that um, woman was not created from any place in man that would have an adverse effect. Uh, God said, "If I, this, is, this is from the Mabloes, um, it goes as follows. God said, if I create her from the head, she would, be, she would have been lightheaded. If I create her from his eyes, she would be overly cu- curious. She would sit by the window with her eyes wide open so not to miss anything. If I create her from the ears, she would always be listening to gossip, causing much strife where she spreads news about others' affairs. If I created her from the mouth, she would be talkative. If I create her from the heart, she would be jealous. If I create her from the hands, she would constantly handle things. And if I create her from the feet, she would be footloose. Since God wanted woman to be as perfect as possible and not have any undesirable traits, he created her from a place that would not have any adverse effect on her personality. He wanted her to be intrinsically free of all adverse traits. And so this is how God comes to creating woman from Adam's rib. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And hey, Stephen, your your uh, SMS just came in. A shana tova umetuka to you too. And it's not too late. We are, we can, and are able to dedicate today's learning li'iloi nishmat Yitzchak ben Herschel. Right, we are discussing the creation of woman. Um, I thought that I would get a bit of a deluge on thing. It seems that everybody's accepted what I've had to say. Uh, woman being created from a very special part of Adam, which was the ribs. And uh, Adam being put fast asleep. In fact, we are told that the first woman was created still while Adam was on Mount Moriah. This is the place where the, the holy temple was destined to be built. And which rib, you may ask, it was on his right side. Now, man was has 15 ribs on each side. And the one that God took to create the woman was the 13th rib on the right side. 
Why? I do not know. I'm sure there is a mystical reason to it, but here's a piece of, of information. The 13th rib on the right side, um, and according to Adam, he were, according to one opinion in the Torah, it says that Adam was created with an extra rib so that when woman was created, no part of his body was lacking. But more importantly, and this is a tremendous idea, again, another insight into marriage, and this is for all you guys out there. Uh, you ladies, you can just take the podcast and maybe stick it on your good man's um, <laughs> phone so that he can listen to afterwards or, or send it off to him. It says, why did God have to make Adam sleep? Like God can do absolutely anything. You know, he could have in a blink of an eye just created woman. Why does it say that he put him into a deep sleep? So one of the reasons it says that he did not want he did not want Adam to see his wife being created from a piece of flesh because perhaps he would have then been repelled by that idea. That's one idea. But this is idea that I like and I think very pertinent. It says that a man should act as if. He is asleep when he is home. No, that does not mean that you must come home, sit on the lazy boy, close your eyes and just pass out and let your wife run the entire place. What it does mean is that one, a man, that a man should act as though, as though he is asleep in his house, is that a man should not pay careful attention to everything his wife does and not quarrel with her and criticize her for every minor Mistake, and even if she disagrees with him occasionally, she shouldn't. He shouldn't lose his temper with her. Okay, um, that is one of the reasons the rabbis give that he sh- that that Adam was put to sleep. Another interesting idea that says here that um, a man should realize that a woman was created from hard bone, so we will tend to be hard and stubborn. Where. You men are created from soft earth and therefore are expected to be more flexible. Sure, I said it. So I hope that when I get out onto the street, I'm not going to be pelted with some tomatoes. Um, and th- these are important points to remember because, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Um, we have it in Kabbalistic terms as men are from Kav, women are from Rishimo. That's the Kabbalistic um, explanation which I cannot get into but we do come from different places we do have different strengths and um, we are looking to find peace in the home and if one understands that there are intrinsic differences between men and women though today in today's time we tend to take a rubber duster and try equalize everybody that men are equal to women and women are equal to men and they all deserve the same rights. I'm not saying that we have to have respect and we have to have um, the ability for each to express themselves fully. But at the same time, there are intrinsically differences between men and women. And when we understand that, then the base point from which we you take off is completely different. One other idea also to bring out is that men, a man and woman were created differently from all other creatures. Why? Because in the case of all other animals, male and female were created together. In the case of man, the male was created first. And this teaches the important lesson that man was created for the purpose of serving God, for no other reason. And God created man alone to demonstrate that he can fulfill that mission, even without a mate. What 
happened afterwards is that woman was created later, so the two of them together would be a much more formidable and powerful uh, force together. If man and woman were created simultaneously, you would just think, okay, you know what, they're there just because there's a need to procreate and carry on this world and move on. That is not the truth. Man was created to serve God. Man and woman were created separately, so they know that they are different from all other creatures. We are not to be animals and just go around fulfilling our natural instincts like the rest of the world. We were created for a much higher purpose, to serve God, and that we can do um, individually and more powerfully together. Um, we are also told that Adam and Eve, when they were first created, some say they were attached together back to back. Adam walked forward while his w wife walked backwards, and only later the two were separated. And that comes from um, the interpretation of the word tsela. Tsela, we're saying aside, it could also, um, I mean a rib, it could also be translated as a side. Um, when he brought them to man, and I'm going to read the last two verses, when the woman was brought to man, this is what happened. By Yomer HaAdam, Adam said, Zot etzem me'atzamai, ubasar mipsari. Now, this is, this is when he's looking at woman. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Lezot yikare isha, to this creature, to this person, I will call her woman. Ki me'ish l'kacha Zot, because from Ish she came. So here again is an, another example where we are taking the Hebrew alphabet and using it in its derivative form. She was taken from Ish, and so she is called Isha. Both Ish and Isha share the letters Aleph Shin, and Ish has a Yud, Isha has a He, which we'll get into back again. Al Cain. Therefore, and here is the mitzvah of marriage, here is where we learn the commandment to marriage. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and will cling to his wife and they will become one flesh. This is the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, Isha, for she came from Ish. And therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. They will become one flesh. There's, there's so much profundity um, and so little time. But I'd like to bring out one, one little small thing. Small cursory thing, but probably a very big thing. This is for all the mother-in-laws out there. It says a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. It doesn't talk about a woman leaving her mother and father and clinging to her husband. This is the way of the world, mother-in-laws out there. When a man gets married, he leaves his mother and father and clings to his wife. His wife becomes the most important. And this is something that will avoid a lot of stress, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger when the blue-eyed boy that you loved so much, that little boy leaves your space and puts all his energy into his wife. Why does it not say it about a woman? Because a girl will always be connected to her mother and father, um, will always be connected to her mother and 
follow what she saw in her parents' home. But a man, he will leave his mother and father and he will cling to his wife. Take that as good biblical advice. You're listening to Robertson Adel Kazilski. Welcome back. And you guys are uncharacteristically silent. So should I just assume that all is well and good in the camp of marriage, the creation of woman? We are going to finish up with verse 25 of chapter 2. So when we come back after the Yom Tovim, we are going to start a new topic. The last verse reads, They were both naked. Ha'adam ve'ishto. The man and the woman, velo yit boshashu, they were not ashamed. A very, very again mystical thing. They were, they were, they were undressed. They were completely naked. Why were they not ashamed? Because they were on such a high spiritual level. They understood things on a completely different paradigm and sphere that we understand it today. And evil had not entered into their consciousness. In any way whatsoever. So they did not focus on their bodies. They did not focus on the physicality of the world. They focused on their connection spiritually. Again, a very, very important message in marriage that whilst we do have our physical desires, we have our instinct to connect to somebody that we find appealing and that physical certainly does play a part in marriage. What is most important is the spirituality, the, 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 the deepness behind the other person, the character of the other person, because that is what will last. That is where the, the, the work has to be done because we all age. We all go through different changes in our physical makeup and those things can change and, and, and differentiate or become different right throughout life. But when we focus on the character of the person, the spiritual essence of the person, who the person is in a personality, and use that as the playground in which we play and we learn and we grow, then we are guaranteed more um, to have a much happier, healthier Life And on that note, um, it's Erev Rosh Hashanah. Please, God, next week we will all be at this time in shul or maybe just coming back from shul. I wish each and every single one of you Chai FM listeners out there a Shana Tova Umetuka, a sweet and happy new year, a Ketiva V'chatima Tova. We should all be written and inscribed for a new year. And I look forward to joining you back. Same time, same place after Rosh Hashanah to continue in our mystical discussions. Have a wonderful day.